0: do too, uh, because we, we do hear it a lot, don't we? Um, assuming that you're, you know, you've been listening before this episode, which, if you haven't, if this is the first one that you've ever seen, uh, click here instead, start at the beginning, Dhammapada part one, that's a better place to start. However, if you are definitely here for the Jainism, uh, but maybe not episode 24, um, maybe episode one. Go ahead and click here. That'll take you to the playlist. Start with episode one. This is episode 24, which is exciting for a few reasons. Um, Last episode, of course, was episode 23, which, of course, should make all of us think of... Network 23. Well, yes, that, obviously. Um, But also... Network 23. that, That was the same thing. In fact, it was the same actor, just... Well, anyway, uh, but what I'm referring to is the 23rd Tirtankara, or Ford maker, or um, religious Ford. If that doesn't make sense, then you haven't seen the previous episodes, that's okay. I won't explain, because, you know, saving time. Um, today is episode 24, which in which we should uh, mention the 24th episode. Tirtankara, Mahavir, possibly the Buddha's teacher. One never knows. Um, Yeah, I went over all that in episode one of Jain Sutras. It's also exciting because we're getting toward the end of the Jain Sutras, which isn't exciting because like, oh, thank goodness we're going to end the Jain Sutras. No, not at all. Um, It's exciting because we're going to be getting to the... Tripitaka. Tripitaka. Sorry, Uh, Which is, of course, the three baskets of earliest, earliest Buddhism. And I feel like, you know, this podcast, this YouTube series has gone through a number of phases. There was the the early episodes of Dhammapada, which were very, uh, they were nice. It was a nice reading. Um, The first three, I think, were kind of poor quality because for whatever reason, I was like recording it through the Zoom app. But then I decided to combine uh, the the nice iPhone camera with the Audacity recording. Now you know the behind the scenes stuff, um, and this is a bit sharper, I think, right? And then we had the gaudy, bright white light, you know. And then eventually I discovered uh, that might be a little bit hard on the eyes. Um, there were there were the Lotus Sutras where I was like struggling with identity, struggling with what Buddhism means, am I Buddhist, uh, should I be reading this, am I being disrespectful, who the hell wrote this, and what were they thinking, you know, all of that. If you don't remember all that, then again, you haven't, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. But if, you, if you've if listened to all of them, then whew, uh, well done. I don't think anybody besides me has, to be honest, yet, but perhaps in the future. Um, and then, of course, there were the Pali scriptures, where I basically, it was more of like a meet-and-greet, let, let me tell you about myself, and, you know, uh, all, the, all the, the ins and outs of that, and then every once in a while we were reading this really dry textbook that kind of talked about Pali scriptures, and then like a Burmese guy in the 1800s, for some reason, that was also talking about Theravada, but not really, just sort of talking about talking about Theravada, and it was really just not even remotely interesting to be honest, and then we got to Bihar, and then, wow, okay, you know, I, I was sitting in the place, they say, where the Buddha sat, and, uh, you know, then discovered Jainism, and discovered the relationship between Buddhism and Jainism, and then I feel like this started to take off, Now then now it kind of has a life of its own, and as we move toward these, I think, last couple episodes of Jain Sutras, to be honest, this one and the next one, I think. I don't think there's going to be an episode 26 of the J.M. Sutras. Um, then we're going to jump into this, and this this is where it starts. Literally, and I think this is where this is going to get started. It's like these were all sort of the prequel episodes, except instead of doing it like Star Wars and shooting it way after, it came before, because part of it was preparation. Part of it was like finding my flow and confidence and not just always like kind of like second-guessing, like, should I be wearing this? Oh my god, I'm white. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, it, it, I think it's good. You know, this this is the the proto. I mean, you know, the theory is it's sort of proto Buddhism that we're talking about, um, Jainism, and uh, then we're going to dive into the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of Buddhism, and uh, so I'm excited that that's around the corner. Now, uh, a couple things. If you have sharp eyes, maybe you were like. I feel like there was something in the opening sequence of, of the Buddhist books that's missing from the recent one. Yes, you have sharp eyes, or as uh, Liam Neeson might say. You've got sharp eyes. May I? Was that Liam Neeson? Am I mixing? No, uh, that wasn't Liam Neeson. That was the guy from, uh, from, from Das Boot that the same guy? Well, anyway, no, it wasn't Liam Neeson. It was a different guy, but it was Paul Atreides' dad. Doesn't matter. The point is, um, yes, this is not in that shelf because it's too big. It's too high. It doesn't fit. It's, uh, home is over there. But just so you know, this is not going to be left out. Sometime in the 2030s, when we get down to that bottom shelf toward the right side, we are going to go into this Eight uh, 800s, uh, late 8th century, I believe. I mean, the book wasn't written in the late 8th centuries, but the subject matter uh, originates in the late 8th century, so that's where it falls in our sequence of um, centuries, sequence of books. This is the Matrix and Diamond World Mandalas in Shingon Buddhism, as you can see, by a guy named Adrian, a very... Uh, buddhist sounding name i buddhist named adrian let me see if i can find like some kind of cool teaser illustration now that i realize that we're almost done with this i'm feeling a little bit more free to uh you know go off on on, on a tangent or two but don't worry we will get to the reading if you were worried yeah okay well anyway i'll just show you this can you see that It gets cooler than that, believe me. Um, Here is an illustration that I made uh, based on a passage, this passage, where it talks about um, a particular meditation that's not for amateurs, where you face south at, at high noon or at midnight and visualize a red triangle and burn out a lot of karma. So, I mean... It's uh, Vajrayana stuff. We're not going to be getting into that kind of like magical Buddhism for a while. Uh, we're going to be in, in the more philosophical, the uh, the Theravada, or as the uh, Mahayana say, the Hinayana. <sighs> anyway, um, I'm not a fan of that term. As you may have guessed. So this is um, (coughs) Shingon, which is Japanese Vajrayana. Vajrayana was brought by Vimalamitra, this guy, um, to Tibet along, you know, he and and a few others brought it to Tibet. But Vimalamitra brought it further into China, translated into Chinese, I read somewhere. And then right around that same time, Kukai came up to China and, and then brought them back to Japan. So I think they might have met. They were contemporaries, Vimalamitra and Kukai, or Kobodayashi. Kobodayashi went back to Japan, started Shingon. And it's much more like in line with this, like, you know, take an oath to your guru, do whatever your guru says. It kind of hails back to some earlier kind of Hindu um, ideas of the guru that are, as far as I know, non-existent in early Buddhism. So, you know, one can have opinions about which aspects of what they like or, or don't like, but we're just going to read it. We're just going to go through it all and talk a little bit about it as we do, of course. Um, and uh, so, yeah, same with Tibetan Vajrayana. Similar kind of kind of thing. So, yeah, so hence, if you've seen the Padmasambhava recitals on Esoteric Nerd, each canto ends with sealed ode because it was understood that you know you shouldn't have heard that information that I'm reading aloud uh, unless you've taken an oath of secrecy. But we're just going to go ahead and read it. I mean, it, uh, it's published at this point. So another book that didn't fit was uh, this sort of illustrated comic book version of the life of Melarepa, who, um, to cut short, he... Is a little like me. He practiced black magic as a child and then grew up and then tried to uh, redeem himself by, by uh, you know, finding gurus on a more righteous path. And uh, then he ended up becoming a great sage. Well, except for that last part. He's, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, just a little bit. I think I showed you this in some earlier episodes way back. Um, let me find you a good, a good one that doesn't have boobies in it. I don't want to get this episode. Yeah. yeah, very nice artwork. So, so yeah, in the future, again, around the same time, you know, before we get to the Shingon, we'll get into a lot of the Tibetan Vajrayana stuff, um, since it did arrive in Tibet physically before it got to Japan, though it happened basically at the same time, historically, Wise. This also didn't fit, but I don't know if we're going to read this. This one is like for kids. Maybe we'll read it after we read everything else, because um, uh, yeah, I think everything in here is going to be covered in the Jataka and uh, you know some other some other places that we're going to be reading. Um, also, not in the Buddhist books bookshelf at the opening is this tiny little book about Quan Yin. Why not? We'll read it too uh, in the future, at that time, way after the Tipitaka. So, should we get to today's reading? Why not? Um, we've already blown 11 minutes. Today's episode is brought to you by Edwards, Buddhist, Edward Reeves Buddhist Books Podcast. E for Edward Reeves Buddhist Books Podcast. All right. I hope you guys are enjoying the shenanigans. Um, let's pick up right where we left off, shall we? <coughs> devotion, discrimination, and conduct. In its basic form, Jainism has described the above three as right vision, right knowledge, and right conduct. Ar- Akarya Uvumasvati says, Samyag Darshana jnana Kari Rani Moksha Marka. That comes from Tatvarta Sutra one slash one. One one. Barashit Bara Elohim Ethashamin Vedha Race. One one. Anyway. Uh one 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 technically. The unity of the, <coughs> the unity of the above three one one one. Never mind. Is defined as the path of liberation. It is true that each of these is important in its own way, but reflection and study reveal that in the spiritual world, devotion reigns supreme. Isn't what I was saying when he was talking crap about devotion? What? Is this the same guy? Anyway, it is by the pure waters of the fountain of devotion that the other two yogic areas are fostered as well. In a heart devoid of devotion, the divine tree of knowledge and action cannot grow. This is the reason that in the Samayika Sutra, the first mention is that of Namaskara Mantra, followed by the Sam- Samayaktava, yes, Samyaktava uh, Sutra, Guru-Guna-Smarana Sutra and Guru-Vadana Sutras. This powerful flow of devotion is also seen once in Dhyana, or meditation, and once more read aloud as Logasa in katar visa Sutra. Logasa is a beautiful form of devotion. When the heart has been watered with the devotion of Logasa, The aspirant will surely find emancipation. And finally, devotion is firmly rooted with the text of Namo Tunam. In Namo Tunam, the Tirthankaras are worshipped. The Tirthankaras are those great souls that have conquered attachment and aversion and have reached the zenith of equanimity. Now, those of you who don't know that word, but are old enough to remember the brand of television sets. That's not what we're referring to. Okay. Um, So worship and adoration of their greatness is essential for the success of Samayika worship and grants great spiritual strength to the devotee. Some of you may prefer another sort of Tirtankara, Kirtankara number 25. Mm-hmm. All right. Or 26 if you count the Buddha. Anyway. Um, oh boy. Where are we? Yes. Um, great spiritual strength of the devotee. Yes. Okay. Next. Powerful verse. Nam is a more powerful verse of devotion compared to other devotional prayers. Every student of religious literature knows that man often prays for materialistic growth, and as a consequence, his prayer is blind, rather than steadfast and devout. You guys remember Solomon? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you want the riches and the women, pray for the wisdom and the understanding so you can trick God. That's the moral of that story. Okay. Um, He thus prays to gods that represent material wealth and worldly emotions, such as anger and pride, rather than those who represent the right faith. Such negative beliefs are the cause of cruel practices, such as animal sacrifice in the name of God and religion. Mm. Zeus bless, right? Um, There's some, uh, never mind. In the Namotunam, the great Tirtankara, are praised along with their powerful and benign qualities. Each quality of the Tirthankaras is so commanding and unique that words cannot do them justice. If viewed from the true happy heart of a devotee, you will see every quality, every word, and every alphabet of Namotunam as one of divine magic. Eka kriya. Gyar Prasida. End quote. No translation. You have to know Sanskrit to get some of these little Easter eggs. You drop it. Arihanta, form and definition. The Arihantas are those who have conquered attachment and aversion. Jainism is a religion of victory over one's own inner enemies. This has been achieved by the Arihantas. Hence, the entire Jaina literature begins with obeisance to them and ends with the same. This is seen as the main mantra of Jainism, the Navakara mantra, which begins with obeisance to the Arihantas. Right vision is the very foundation of Jayana spiritual practices. Hence, the Pratinya Sutra also begins with Arihantas. Arihanto Mahadevo. Devo or Devo? It says D-E-V-O, but I'm guessing they pronounce it Devo. Okay. So also, Namotunam begins with Namotunam Arihantanam not enim, The meaning of Arihanta is the destroyer of enemies. You may wonder about such a trait being termed as a religious ideal. There are thousands of warriors who can kill their enemies. Jihad gets a similar bad rep. Anyway, they, are they all worthy of worship? Although there are fewer Jainists misinterpreting... Never mind. Um, in the Bhagavad Gita, the term... Ari-sudan, meaning destroyer of enemies, is used to refer to Krishna. Krishna had vanquished cruel enemies such as Khansa, Sisupala, and Jarasandha. So is he also an Arihanta? The answer is that here the term Arihanta refers not to extinguishers of external enemies, but to inner enemies of anger and passion. We can find thousands of warriors to help us conquer external enemies. But it is rare to find those great spiritual warriors who can conquer the inner enemies. Even the mighty Ravana could not do so, and was finally defeated. Therefore, Jainism says, fight with the self, fight with your inner passions, For, not like that, Uh, for the external enemies emerge from these. Thus, the trees of vices have been uprooted, not superficially pruned. When the inner passions of anger, pride, attachment, etc. are vanquished, how can the, the external enemies ever be born? Um, Thus, the war of Jainism is a spiritual war. Here, one does not fight with the outside, but with the inside, with oneself. The foundation of universal peace lies here. Only one who becomes an Arihanta, one who prays to become an Arihanta, one who worships an Arihanta, can be the true torchbearer of universal peace. It is with this in mind that Akarya Bhadrabahu writes, quote, it is the eight kinds of karmas that are the enemies of all, all souls. He who destroys them is known as an Arihanta. Atta viham ya kamam, aribuyam hoi sava jivanam tam, kamamarin Hanta Arihanta vukchanti, from Avasyaka near Yukti, 914. Isn't that Nir Yukti? No. Um, the term Arihanta has many meanings in the Prakrit and Sanskrit languages, which are replete with deep connotations. Some of the many versions of Arihanta are Arihanta, Aruhanta, Arahontara, and Arihanta. The term Arihanta, which stems from the root Arha, Pujayam, means venerable. These Arihantas are worshiped in all the three worlds as Vitaraga Devas, or the gods of detachment. Are the three worlds past, present, and future, like in Buddhism? Um, Comment below. Even Lord Indra of the heavens prays to them and considers himself honored to be their devotee. Oh, that's where the Buddhists got that one. Hmm. Hmm. Or maybe the Jainists stole that one from the Buddhists. Who knows? Who knows? Arahantara means, or maybe they're just both true, uh, Indra worships the Arihantas and also Buddha. Anyway, um, Arahantara means omniscient and Raha means secret or mystery. Thus, Arahantara refers to those who have no mysteries left to unravel and who can see the infinite quality of all inert and living objects in this universe with clarity. Arihanta, arahanta, means free from possessions in life and free from the shackles of death. Rata means anything possessed, and anta means death and destruction. Thus, one who is beyond all possessiveness and free from the cycle of birth and death is arata. Arahanta. Arah, Arahanta means free of attachment. Ra means attraction. By the power of Ra. Thank you, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Those who have conquered all attachments and attraction because they have destroyed all Mohaniya karmas are known as Arahanta. Aruhanta means destroyer of karmic seed, Um, so as never to be reborn. The root, ruha, means progeny and tradition. The relation between seed and tree has been known for ages. I believe it. If the seed is destroyed, then there will be no tree. Also, so also, karmas and birth have a relationship from time immemorial. Thus, if an aspirant burns the seed of his karmas with the right path, then he will be free of transmigration and become an Aruhanta. This has been stated by Akarya Umasvati. Dog day, BJ, that's easy to remember, right? Um, dog day bj yatat yantam pradur bhavati non kura karma vj tata dog day na rohati bhavan kura that came from anima upad sanhara karika pra karanta. Or the lucky dog. No, I'm just kidding about that. Okay, but this is a silly one. A little bit, I I know. I'm in a silly one, what can I say? Uh, Not as much noise outside. Today's Sunday. Happy birthday, Chris. He's never going to see this, but uh, you know that I wished him a happy birthday. On his birthday. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's even his birthday in California by now. I think it's like one p.m. here, and daylight savings. Nah, 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 yeah. It's like probably. Well, no. Okay, it'll be his birthday in half an hour. Anyway, um, uh, uh, a ba- Bhagavan, Happy May Day, Bhagavan the form of God, Akarya Hari Badra has given an analysis of the word Bhagavan by giving six meanings of Bhaga: splendor, energy. Fame, beauty, conduct, and endeavor. Aisvaryasya samagrasya viryasya yasasa sriya dharmasyata prayat nasya sanam baga itingana that came from. Dasa-vai-kalika-sutra-tika-four-slash-one. Thus, the soul which has splendor, energy, fame, beauty, conduct, and endeavor, all in perfection, is known as Bhagavan. Okay, the Tirtankaras have all six qualities in complete measure, and hence are worshipped as Bhagavan. In this context, it is necessary to reiterate that Jainism does not believe in an eternal God who is the Creator. Meh. Meh. Not the same as Christianity. Meh. Totally different. Um, sorry. I was not mocking Jainism. Intentional. It is the aspirant who becomes godhead with his spiritual practice. Ah, ah. So it's like Crolean Gnosticism, not like regular Gnosticism. Anyway, um, there is no god but man, you know. Aigaranam, uh, founders of religion. Um, except, you know, through abstinence and. All that other stuff. Anyway, uh, Aigaranam, founders of religion, the Tirtankaras are also called as Adhikara, which means the creator or originator. An objection can be raised that when religion is eternal, how can the Tirtankaras be called as originators? The answer is that although the Tirtankaras are not founders of religion, they are the ones who establish religion in each era. They clear away the the weeds of wrong faith and irreligion and give a fresh start to religion. Hence, they are worshipped with the word Aigaranam. The JNS scholars also explain that the Tirtankaras are the originators of srutadharma, or religious literature. This means that the Tirtankaras do not fall back upon the religious teachings of the past. Rather, they rely on their own experiences to show the path to the masses. Every era has its own scripture based on the substance, space, time, and thought of that era. I've heard that explanation for uh, a lot of things. And hence, should have its own religious dictum. Um, This explains the question raised by many skeptics as to why the religious literature available in the present era is from the time of Lord Mahavira, and not that of his predecessors, such as Parsva. All right. Tita Yaranam, establishers of fourfold order. Tita Yaranam refers to one who establishes the Tirta, or religious ford, which helps souls to cross this world of entanglements. Isn't that what Tirthankara means? I'm confused again. I'll have to rewatch those early episodes. Since Lord Mahavir. And other seekers are uh, the propagators of this board. Propagators. Propagators, creators. Establishers, propagators. They are known as tirtankaras. Yeah, okay. Anyway, we are all aware how difficult it is to swim in a rising tide. Ordinary mortals are terrified by the sight and do not even attempt to swim. But the experienced swimmer possesses the courage to dive in and to discover the ebbs and tides of the current. He then indicates to the masses waiting at the shores when and how to swim across. The wor- this world is like a swelling river with crocodiles, high currents, and depths which are not easy to navigate. Thank you, DreamWorks. The ordinary aspirants may get trapped in these, but the Tirthankaras are extraordinary and show us the way to get across this turbulent river of life. Tirtha also means a bridge. The Tirthankaras have built a strong ford, like a bridge, to cross the river of life. This ford consists of a fourfold path for monks, nuns, laymen, and laywomen. Based on our capacity, it is up to us to choose or adapt any of these paths in our spiritual practice practices and use them as bridges to cross over. For the spirits to pass over. Thank you, dead can dance. You may question that in this era, since it was Lord Harasba, Ras, Ursaba who established the existing ford, should we not be the only one to be called as, should he not be the only one to be called as Tirthankara? Why are the other 23 successors of Ursaba also known as Tirthankaras? The answer is that every Tirthankara establishes the religious ford according to the circumstances of his time and his successor only repairs and renovates the bridge to make it suitable to the changing times. Hmm, Maybe Padmasambhava really is the second Buddha. That's unrelated. Anyway, the basic life breadth of the religion remains the same. Only its external activities change. This also proves that the Jainas have always believed in the basic tenets and contemplations of this great religion and not blindly followed, outdated words and methods. All right, so I predict there will be at least two more, but possibly one more episode of Jain Sutras. Oh, I just closed this without putting a bookmark in. Um, That's something I'll deal with in post. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope that you got something out of it, maybe. Um, A chuckle, maybe. Uh, Maybe something else. I don't know. Comment below, if you'd like. And uh, I'll go ahead and close before this one gets too long. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. ride with me. Until next time.